What's up, ladies and gentlemen of YouTube? Book of the 988 coming at your live once again through the power of the internet, featuring once again my good friend Alice, and for the first time ever, literally a rock star in the game development film. I mean, this guy, I've, I've got a case of hero worship on this guy. When he agreed to do this podcast, I was like, why? We only have like 5,000, 10,000 listeners. But, uh, but he, I don't, but we're, this is Ed McMillan, the man who made, let's see, your biggest hit was uh, Super Meat Boy. That was your biggest hit, your first hit, I mean to say. That was, yeah, that was the, that was the main, my mainstream breakout. That's what got you into Indie Game, the movie. Yep. Um, which is where I first heard about you. Even though I played Super Meat Boy, I Francis raged all over that game. I destroyed controllers because of that fucking game. <laughs> really tight controls, just too hard for me. I can't do that. Then we have Binding of Isaac, um, which is, I have so many questions about Binding of Isaac. That's going to be an entire section. If you guys have not played Binding of Isaac, uh, it's available everywhere Skyrim is. I think it's on Alexa now at this point. It's on refrigerators, it's on right? Refriger <laughs> um, I have bought it on PC. I got it for free on PlayStation, and I bought it on my Switch, which is now my primary home for it is the Nintendo Switch. Thanks. For yeah, I've heard. Switch. Uh, yeah, Switch is, Switch is a nice one for sure. I think it uh, might be the deal one too. Then a bit of a sleeper hit, uh, The End is Nigh which was aesthetically a gorgeous game. A little too hard for me again, but you have... You <laughs> yeah, no, if, you're, if, too, if Meat Boy was too hard for you, right. you're not... Right, um, but it, I, I had to watch a playthrough of it uh, because it was just aesthetically... Uh, the world building, the, the, the art design, fantastic. And we have a new game coming out, and you don't have a release date for it yet. That is The Legend of Legend Bumbo. Bumbo. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? That's what I'm really curious to hear about today. So what's the yeah, design behind that? I'm curious about it myself. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's this bizarro mashup of the Binding of Isaac puzzle quest and Bejeweled and some sort of tactics game. Oh yeah, God. it's really like, weird. You're just throwing all my favorite buzzwords. It's, <laughs> <out>. <laughs> the best it's, got, thing. it's got a sprinkling of... Um, of uh, Slay the Spire in it as well. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. These are all. You're giving me the vapors. Yeah, for the people who do listen to our podcast, they're going to know those are all our favorite games. So yes. this is a real problem, right? Well, hopefully, hopefully it all works out. It's got a cardboard aesthetic. Um, it's actually a prequel to The Binding of Isaac story wise. Mm. Um, it bleeds into it pretty well. I yeah, think and, what a choice of words. And I watched like the trailer, or I watched a trailer for it. And saw a lot of the same monsters. Saw mom's ugly fat foot. That looks like me naked now these days. But that's my leg. Um, <laughs> a little more swollen towards the bottom. So, um, and I couldn't even really comprehend the gameplay from the trailer. I was like, I kind of get what's going on. It little. looks super complicated, but it's not too crazy. It's just you've got basically like um, any kind of. It's a match four board of of different uh, colored puzzle pieces. Then you've got a sidebar, which is like spells and items that you have that you right. pick up. And every item usage has a, a mana cost to it, and every puzzle um, piece or color has a mana that you gain from it. Um, so you're trying to manipulate the board. And so, like if I were to line four bones up together, Bumbo would gain four white mana, but he would also make a bone weapon that he would throw at an enemy. And then right. the enemy are coming lines of three. So there's there's it's like a three by three grid. Um, and they all have a specific AI and it's turn-based. So you do your stuff, you get a certain number of moves, you pass to them, they come at you, et cetera. And there's are fantastic. This sounds absolutely And amazing. there's just like dungeon exploration on top of that. Uh, Cause yep. I saw like a binding of Isis doll map. And then I'm sure all of the, the itemization that you've had uh, been famous for, right? Like I'm, I'm discovering artifacts we're, we're, here that we're change the way the game plays. Kind of like, good this God. But I, yeah, this, I want, I, it's a puzzle game, so I can't really pull the whole, I'm not going to tell you what anything does, figure it out. Um, oh, right, right. So I, I don't want people to feel like totally screwed over when something does something that they wouldn't expect. So I'm trying to I'm trying to give you a little bit of information on what, what everything does. Right. Pick. This is where I have, a, I have a design question about it, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about Binding of Isaac is that seemingly from a design perspective, you're okay with broken runs. You're okay with players getting combinations of items that are extremely powerful because it's a roguelike and you just get to win that run and it's fun and enjoyable. Yeah. And is is that a similar strategy here? Oh yeah, it, it is, but I, I so, so if um, the Binding of Isaac is difficult because of the Twitch-based, you know, dexterity-based stuff, this is more of a mind puzzle based 
complexity difficulty scale. Ah, like, good because I'm that. good at neither of those things. So <laughs> I'm just bad at video games. Like I, I'll be honest with you, the reason I can actually function in Binding of Isaac is because eventually I'll get a combination of items. That's disgusting. You play, you play uh, Magic, so I think you're I think you're going to be right at home. Oh God, have you been playing much Magic: The Gathering Arena, by the way? Um, you know I haven't I haven't gotten into arena yet but i play magic online still which i probably shouldn't right. i probably should just move it move it over at this point because well that's what if you want to play edh if you want to play commander you have to play on it but here's the thing here's what i know about my listeners as soon as we start talking magic they are gone <laughs> so okay, okay. we want to stick around we want to talk about some other games to so stick around we will save the magic <laughs> for the end i promise you this uh, Matter of the gaming arena is now my um my Achilles heel for time management because I will put an hour into it at least every day, just at least to get my dailies done and then throw together a really stupid deck. So I don't recommend it. If you're still in development, I don't write. Now, this is a game. Bumbo is a game you announced originally for being released at the end of 2007. And now we are in 2019, Ed. 2017. 2017. That's a big difference. That's a decade difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had hoped. Um, so, yeah, I'm working with James Ed. Um, he was the guy that did all the crazy trailers for all my games back in the day. Oh, okay. Um, and I made a game called Fingered with him. I don't know if you played that. It was mm. this little bite-sized. It was, I had a, a blast making it. It's just the, uh, it's a whodunit. It's a bunch of randomly generated figures that are all being accused of a heinous crime. And you choose the one based on uh, eyewitness reports, which are vague, um, that have to do with the way they look. And then you electrocute them to death. Oh, God. Pull the switch. And then That's you see if you're right or you're wrong, and you progress from there. Uh, it's super cheap. It was just like this $2 game that we threw together, and um, it worked out really well. So we're like, hey, let's do another project. And we were going to do something with um, with hobos. It was going to be like a marionette hobo game. It was a puzzle-based game. I've always wanted to do a puzzle-based game. And um, uh, eventually it turned into Bumbo. It was like, why wouldn't we just make it Bumbo instead of a new right? Right. Yeah. That's, I think, one of the things, uh, when it comes to indie games, I feel like one of the biggest things is that your game has to stand out. It has to look different. And obviously, you have just a bizarre art style. There's there's nothing else like it. Um, and to see the Binding of Isaac art style bleed over into Bumbo, or vice versa, I guess, since it's a prequel, um, is really welcoming. That's one of the, like, I talk to a lot of indie developers and, like, man, my game just doesn't sell. And uh, Meat Boy sold itself because it was challenging, it was fun. It hit uh, a not super saturated market, obviously, because it was uh, right at the beginning of Xbox Arcade. It's a totally, I don't think if Meat Boy came out now, I mean, it's hard to say because Meat Boy was one of like, what, two platforms, like N and Meat Boy, like what other platformers were there that were doing anything at the time? That right. So, so there's a big part if of it. If it came out now, it, who would who would care, you know? Well, again, I, I, I would say. So visually striking. Right. And that has that aesthetic. Right, and I think people do like the challenge runs. Like, I, I think they want difficult games. But on top of that, yeah, that aesthetic is really what sets it apart. I think Binding of Isaac as well. Mm -hmm. um, not just the, the, the aesthetics, but the storyline behind Isaac. Yeah. Obviously, we've talked about that behind the scenes, but I severely bonded with uh, the storyline of Binding of Isaac <laughs> because I came from an abusive home and raised by an abusive mother. Yeah. Um, and so I've always wanted to ask you on record, like, how much... How much of that was spawned from your personal life? How much of that is you empathizing? Like, I've always wondered. I mean, it's, I'm not, of course, my mom, my mom wasn't the greatest mother in the world. Um, and I guess she was abusive in a neglectful manner, but not so much in, a, in the way that Isaac's mother was. So I wasn't writing from, from my own perspective when it came to the harshness of it. But I mean, it's a game about me. Like I make games about myself because uh, I know me pretty well. And I don't know much else. <laughs> so I try to be as honest as I can with my work. And I tend to just write about me. Um, so Isaac is me. And it's kind of a mashup of my personal experience growing up and just feeling like a weirdo outcast that just didn't fit in. And a little bit of um, my, my father's upbringing, who was kind of the same. Um, same religious household, same sort of situation, a lot of abuse. Um, and uh, just... Uh, I just wanted to be really honest to just make something true to who I am and true to what I'm about. And after Meat Boy was, Meat Boy was kind of a, my mainstream, uh, like I was willing to kind of go get a little fuzzy with it and not, not, not get so drastic in my themes. Right, and go, right. Like, cause the stuff that I did before Meat Boy, I don't know if you're familiar with my early stuff, but I did some really wacky, more adult stuff. 
Hey, um, nothing wrong with that. I, I'm, I'm a huge <laughs> John K fan. I'm a huge, you know, I, I, I get into that for sure. So, uh, you know, I was playing it really safe with, with Meat Boy. And after that had come out, I was it's like, I don't want to compromise at all. I want to just make whatever I want to make. I just want to make something honest. And I, and I kind of wanted to make remake Zelda in some, in my own way. And so I kind of just approached it in the same way that Miyamoto did, where it's like, I'm writing a game about exploring as a child. It's like, well, I want to make a game about what I was doing as a child, which was receding into my imagination and, you know, living in a world that was, that was scary, but still better than what I was experienced. And, and apparently playing with poop a lot. Because that yeah. is that is a very common thing. <laughs> I, I, I've had stomach problems. I mean, that's it comes from my my uh, anxiety ridden body. But um, I've always been in like all those scenes of, of Isaac on sitting on the toilet, going to the bathroom, and all that stuff. It's, you know, I was I had ulcers really bad when I was young, and I was in the bathroom all the time in pain. Man, that is that is really incredible. Like I, I think that's one of the reasons Bind of Isaac is is so successful. I mean, obviously. When you see somebody like Northern Lion play fifteen hundred episodes, <laughs> yeah, what what do you think about that? Like, how does it... well? It's insane. I mean, it's it's all it's so it, it so weird that I can't process it. It just doesn't make any sense. It's just like like the idea that there are multiple people can make a living off of playing my game sounds insane. I don't even understand it. I can't, I can't game. remotely fam, fathom how many like millions of people have, have are actively playing it, you know, and, and still playing it. You know, it's, it's what almost eight years old now. And there's still millions of people playing the game. Is it yeah. really eight years old now? Good I think, Lord. I think so. God, I'm, I'm still playing. Passes. Can yeah. I ask, I mean, your game does have this, all of your games have this like amazing personality and it clearly is you coming through it. Why did you choose gaming specifically as your outlet for this? I, f I fell into it. I was making comics and I was basically doing the same thing, just writing about myself and, and my own personal experiences semi-abstractly through a bunch of weird different characters. And um, I, there was no future in it. My stuff was being rejected by publishers because it was too weird, too dark, too adult, and <clears throat> just too rough around the edges. And I, you know, I kind of got depressed and usually I'll get depressed and then I'll get really hard on myself and be like, okay, what, what do you need to sacrifice to do this? Like what needs to happen? And I just um, basically was like, okay, well, I, I need to give up on comics. I need to take them onto the internet. I need to learn how to make a web page. I need to do this, this, and this. And I transitioned into that in like 2000, um, which was back when, you know, websites could make money. It was pretty crazy. Oh yeah. But, uh, that was a good yeah. time. That was a good time. Yeah. So I made, I made a, I made a website that mostly hosted my, my comics and then it was made in flash and I started messing around with interactivity stuff, just making interactive websites and then like making more animation based things. I basically taught myself how to animate and do basic interactivity game stuff. And I didn't even realize it, but I had slowly moved into making games and it was, I think around 2001, um, I started working with Calder Bradford, who was a fan of mine, who was a programmer, and and we started making weird, weird little games together, putting them on new grounds. And then Tom Fulp was a big supporter of my work. I started working with Tom Fulp, and then he eventually made Alien Hominid and Castle Crashers. So it's just kind of like this bizarre growing up with other people that fell into this new industry and didn't realize what we were doing, and then. <laughs> what 10 years later well 2009 then 2008 2009 people could start making money off of it i didn't make any money off of my work i even made a game that won a bunch of awards in, in 2005 that it basically paid for my rent for about a year year and a half but that was it i mean you couldn't really make much money there wasn't right right but um so you, you you have a fairly small team right like um who all's working on bumbo it's just me james um ridiculon's doing the music and that's basically we usually i'll contract out um uh different extras like uh, i think uh alex is working on um 3d stuff with with james like as an extra um and uh we contract out sound design and stuff like that but usually it's just two people me and a programmer and then um a, a musician right right that's, that's what all my like with with isaac and um me point stuff that's basically all it was nowadays though since i have a kid and i can't work as much as i 
used to or shouldn't work as much as I used to. Um, I've been I've been contracting out some other work too. I've been working on uh, eugenics again, which is which is awesome. And um, I've been I've been basically hiring people to do uh, illustration work because they're better than me and I'm not that good. So um, the reason I ask about this because right now we're starting to really become aware of the culture of crunch time, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I think I remember you saying you played MMOs quite a bit. I played EverQuest tremendously back in the day and got to know a lot of the developers um, at the company. And they would talk about crunch time then. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite stories was somebody working at EverQuest who worked for like 72 hours straight. And then when they would log out of their, their accounts, they were prompted to do like a daily report. But he couldn't do a daily report because... He had been working for 72 hours straight, right? Yeah. yeah. So when mm-hmm. he logged out, all he typed into his daily report was, I made EverQuest. I make things that made EverQuest go. And then hit return and then went home, took a shower, fell asleep on his bed for eight hours and came back to work. And when he got back to work, he was in trouble because he hadn't been doing his dailies. Yeah. But he'd worked for like 72 hours, right? So I've been aware of crunch culture for a while, but now we're hearing about Epic Games, NetherRealms, um, BioWare, uh, all these other companies. And I know you guys crunched, I think, based on Indie Game the Movie, you guys are pushing really hard to, to finish Meat Boy towards the end. But you haven't really had to do that since, have you? Um, yeah, I have. I mean, I, I, it's all under my own rule, you know? Like, right. I, I I like working. <laughs> that's right, why, right, that's right. why I'm doing it. Like, I'm enjoying it. Like, if, you know, if I, if I had... It's not so much if I had my way, but if if um, no one stopped me and, and my wife didn't say, you know, you should be doing something other than working all day, I just work all day because that's what what tends to make me feel the fullest um, when I'm constantly working. So I will work myself to death and, I, and I've, I've almost died <laughs> multiple times right. in doing so. But um, yeah, I try not to do that kind of crazy crunch, but realistically, I still do. Usually the end of development it's fun to crunch. I mean, it's a whole different story when you're working for somebody else and they're cracking the whip and whatever else. But with, for an indie, like if you have a deadline and you've got to hit it, you got to do it. You right. just have to, it's not a question and you just do it. Like I understand that it sucks. And I understand, I mean, if I was working for somebody else and they were working me into being unhealthy and mentally unstable and not getting sleep, et cetera, et cetera. That's totally shitty, but under but, my own personal rule, like but, but your choice, will, it's your decision. Yeah, like I will run myself into the ground. Um, but you've done that to yourself now. I'm like, I mean, no heart attacks or anything like that. You're really- I've had my gallbladder removed. Um, I thought I was having a heart attack. I've, I've, I get, I get stressed, you know, I, I, I get stressed out and I eat terribly and you know, the, the, the bullshit that goes along with it. And then you isolate yourself for forever and you get paranoid and you feel like shit and you feel like, what's the point of what I'm doing? No one's going to like it. It's not going to be as good as everybody expects, et cetera, et cetera. So wait, are, are you that way after so much success? I, there's, of course, there's still, there's still a part of me that worries about that stuff. But then there's also another part of me who says, fuck it. Right, right, and I, that part. that's the part you got to listen to. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's that, that's where you know. I mean, I'm a human. I'm a human, and I still feel because that I makes me that feeling. makes me that makes me wonder: Are you me? <laughs> because everything, <laughs> right? But you know, it's really funny. Every time I talk to another developer, whether they're an indie developer or somebody working for the big companies, especially the people that are ahead of those teams, uh, I'm not going to you know drop names or anything like that. But all of that is so common from. The desire to work. Uh, if you're going to be successful in your field, you're going to have to like uh, working, right? You're going to have to like doing what you're doing. You're going to yeah. end up working yourself to near death when you're building a business. Like, that's a big part of it, right? Nothing will stand in the way. My ex-wife used to make fun of me all the time because I would play a video game that I need to review, talk about on the channel. Then I would stream a different video game. And then after a hard day's work, I would lay in bed and play a different video game, right? Yeah, to relax, to relax right. and she's like what are you doing are you working i'm like no no no. this is my relaxation rhythm yeah. relax. i'm playing this guy at five for fun right that's not after playing all these other crappy games that i have to play hey yeah. uh else you're gonna have to mute that mic holy crap they're going nuts man um but uh the point that i'm making is i, I worry about your mental health that's something you and i have talked about and you've been very open about it 
Yeah. Um, so a lot of the things you're saying here, I can really relate with. And a lot of other creators I know can relate to it when it comes to the anxiety, the depression, the self-doubt. It's weird that someone who's made one of the most prolific video games of the last decade deals with self-doubt. That's just bizarre to me. But I guess that's mental illness. I mean, for me, it's like, uh, how could I get better unless I have self-doubt? Like it's, I'm a very, very, very harsh critic. That's the, the one thing I always feel good about when I release something is knowing that no matter what, there's absolutely no critic out there that's going to be more critical of my work than me. Right. So it usually doesn't bother me. Like if I, if I, if I see like, oh, I got a seven and a half or eight, I'm like, yeah, I can see it. Sure. Like I can understand. I can understand where you're coming from. Like, I, I agree with you. Like I'm, I am very, very critical and I'm rarely happy not so much with my work because I'm fine with whatever, you know, right. uh, but I'm never a big fan of myself. So it's, it's not like I'm like doing something and I'm like, Oh, I'm so great. I feel so, so good. So that leads me to imposter syndrome. Do you, do you are you familiar with the, the idea? Like, yeah, I, no, I don't, I don't have imposter syndrome at all. Like I know what the fuck I'm doing and I know I, and I know I do it well okay, enough. Yeah. Okay, um, good. <laughs> I'm just still not like a fan of the, uh, I, I don't know. Like I, um, I'm just not a big, I don't, I don't believe the hype. Uh, I don't think I'm any better than any other person out there. I just think the only thing I'm better at doing is speaking truthfully and honestly through my artwork. And that's basically it. Like all I have is a story to tell and maybe I have a more unique story um, when it comes to what I've experienced in life. And that gets me where I want to be because I'm going to be smarter than any other person that I've ever worked with. Like there's a, hundreds of thousands of people out, out there that are way better at a bunch of different things than me, but I'm pretty good at a lot of things. And I'm honest. You're really um, not wrong about that. I, like you said earlier, uh, binding of Isaac is a great game. Um, it's coded. Well, it's aesthetically pleasing. Um, the optimization is bizarre and unique and, and makes the run different. And it was one of the very first roguelikes that I ever played. Um, but what I, you're really right. Your personality does come through in that. And there's no other game like it. And so whenever I talk to somebody who says, I don't like binding of Isaac. Um, number one, I'm like, I don't think you spent much time with that game. Uh, <laughs> I say the same thing. It's, it's really I, hard to not I like think, it. I think that, I think that if more people played that game, um, more people would be playing it still. Like I, I, I'm very proud of the work that I put into that game. I, my wife still plays it every day. Um, I watch her play it and I enjoy watching her play it. I enjoy watching other people play it. Um, and I'm very proud of what I did. I mean, it's, it's never about not being proud of my work. I'm super proud of my work. I'm just um, very critical of myself. Right. And I, th I think that's a very healthy way to be, you know. Um, you, you and I talked a little bit earlier about um, just kind of keeping off the internet and just like letting people say what they need to say and do what they need to do. And that's yeah. a hard lesson for somebody with anxiety to learn. Yeah. I really struggle with that. Um, but I, I'm at a point now where there's so many people saying so much different stuff. If I listen, it's going to drive me insane. And every YouTuber, every creator I talk to, it says exactly the same thing. You just have to hit that eject button. But I'm curious. The, the things that normally strike me as the most painful, um, like I would make a Francis video and someone would say, your heart really wasn't in this video. It seems like you were making it for money. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, they're right. Like that's the, when it's something you already feel about yourself. Somebody points out a part of your game that you're not happy with or a part of your creation you're happy with. Is that the stuff that really hits you the hardest, you think? No, it's not. Um, because I usually just agree and be like, yeah. It's the stuff that hits me the hardest. The only stuff that I give a shit about, and this is just going to give people fodder. Oh, is no. People call me a fucking liar. Oh, I know, I'm right? A liar. Like, I am not a fucking, I can be a lot of different things, but I'm not a liar. I'm a straight fucking shooter, and I'm very honest with everything. But people have this misconception of the idea that, like, all game developers are part of this group of people who are just scamming to get money. Um, and it's, it's just like, I just hate the idea that there's there's people out there who think that I'm doing this to scam people out of their money so I can have more of it when that's not a motivator at all. And what I'm doing, money isn't even a thing. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally doing stuff to make myself happy because this is keeps me alive. <laughs> like I need to stay happy so I can stay alive and I can be a, a family man and I can raise my daughter and be a good husband and 
making, creating things and making art in general just makes me happy. And if money comes with it, that's great. But I'm not, I'm not a person that looks at my sales. I don't like I had, I had other people that I worked with in the past tell me what my sales were. And I was like, why the fuck are you looking at my sales? (laughs) What kind of weird fucking, what weirdo does that? Like, that's just weird. Why are you looking at what I'm getting? I don't, I'm not looking, I don't care. Like, I don't know. It's I, sometimes I feel like a total alien, but yeah, when people call me a liar and like when I, I honestly mean, well, like, and I'm very straightforward and I don't, I don't lie and I don't skirt the truth. And I, but then, you know, they put weird logical things together. And I think one of the weirdest ones was the rumor that like I angrily cut content out of Isaac because people data mined it. When I don't give a fuck that people data mined it. Why do I care? I I think the quote was literally, I did an interview with, with someone and the quote was like, I said, I was very disheartened by the fact that people data mined and spoiled it for everybody. But Simon, I wasn't upset. No. It was just it was just a little sad. It was a little sad. And it was mostly sad because I should have fucking known. I should have known. Of course, known. right, right. And it was like, so it's this, okay, well, then I'll fix that. So the next time I do any kind of ARG type thing, I'm not going to put it in the code. Da-da, you know, solve, problem solved. But for whatever reason, people thought that I was really mad and I was really upset about it. So much to be like vindictive enough to cut yeah, content. Like, like, and it's like, saying, that's right? not even, it's like, I put enough of myself in the shit that you guys are playing a lot, why can't you see that that type of person wouldn't have these opinions right. and wouldn't like that? But it's, well, it's, it's, well, un, it's unreasonable. I know it's very unreasonable right. for me to think that anybody has any fucking clue who I am. Right. Well, and, and, right. Reason. Exactly. And you're trying, I, like, you're one of the most open people I know. At least once a day on Twitter, you're asking, answering every question that's asked of you. I've never seen. And I try. Somebody I try, try to be as transparent as you can be. Right. Totally for that reason. Like, I, I just want people. If you have a misconception about me ask it right i will you ask me the hardest fucking questions and i will answer them but when you but the thing is when you put a piece of art out there and not that you know a personality or the person you are or your twitter profile is necessarily art but anything you put out there is open to interpretation and then when someone is as visible as you you're talking about millions of interpretations right like when you what's the worst take you've had on uh, on when it comes to one of your games like I, I know a lot of people can like misread something that's happening in your game or misread a statement. Have you ever had a particular journalist or particular fan or YouTuber just like completely miss the mark? I think the most common is that I'm some sort of like mean edge lord who wants to be hurtful and vindictive and whatever else. Like that I'm that I'm mean. It's just like like hey, you probably saw Serbian film and laughed the whole time. It's like you don't fucking know me at all. Like. Well, I don't know what you think I am, but I'm not that. Like I'm, I, I may like weird shit, but I like it for a reason. And I'm not about being mean, and I'm not about being cruel. And I don't get gain, get get uh, get joy from other people's pain. Like it's, that's somebody who's again could not. That happens played, a lot. I, I get that a lot, and it's like that could that has to be somebody who did not play Binding of Isaac because Binding of Isaac is all about empathy. As far as I can tell from the, I, I try <laughs> yeah, it really, it's, 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 I don't know. But I, again, you're talking about um, Freudian psychology. A lot of people thinking of, of the world in terms of their own experiences and, and, and their own mental mindsets and, and things along that lines. So is Bumbo as dark as, as Isaac in, in that regard? I'll say that Bumbo starts very light. Okay. That's all, that's all I'll say. Okay, good. It's well, very, I, the, the, um, I'm playing with framing. Like I'm, 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 you'll see. It'll, okay. it'll all make sense. But okay, I'd say it's on the, on the surface, it's the most like almost fantasy, basic fantasy D and D type. Everything's fine sort of situation. And then it devolves from there. I would imagine. Um, I mean, it's got, it's got to connect to Isaac in some way. So this will be available on the Epic store exclusively. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> right is that what's happening uh, no um I, it would be nice if it was not exclusive though i mean that 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 was definitely a, a goal of mine but no i it's gonna come out on um on steam and maybe some other platforms um definitely gonna eventually make its way to switch um, yay all right that's what that's where i'll want to play it but i'll i end up playing it a staggered release because obviously uh so, we'll, better on that because well, you need like a mouse cursor so you need like a It'll work well on the Switch for like the touchscreen and stuff. Hell yeah! All right. I'm well, and, and and iOS as well. It's still scheduled for that. And it's ready when it's ready. It's ready when it's ready. I mean, I'm hoping, of course, by the end of the year, I'd like to finish this thing. It's just one of those situations where, um, 
we James is only one person and um, I think we kind of bit off more than we could chew and I been wanting to hire more people on but he's just very like no listen I can do this like he's challenging himself and he's headstrong and he says he knows what he's doing and he's going to do it so I believe in him and that's what's going to happen the the uh, do you have anything else in the like that you're not ready to talk about or anything you are ready to talk about that you're working on for maybe the next two or three years uh yeah I'm um I jumped back into Mugenics which was a game oh can you hear that oh yeah that's okay Okay. Yeah, my, my uh, audience is used to okay audio, so they're they're used to it. They'll be fine. I think she's going back downstairs. That was my daughter screaming. Um, uh, yeah, so Mugenics was something that I started with when I was with Team Meat um, ages ago. Jeez, mm. like six years ago, seven years ago. Um, and we hit a wall, you know, basically when things were getting shaky and before I had left. Um, and it was kind of stuck in limbo because of that for, for quite a while. And I, I kind of gave up on him like, oh, it's not going to happen. I'm never going to be able to work on it again, which sucked because it was uh, it was something that, I, that kept me up at night. Like it was something that I constantly thought I was like, this is the one thing that's going to be bigger than Isaac when it comes to something that I'm proud of. Like some something when it comes to depth and just scale overall, it'll be the biggest project that I've ever worked on. Um, and it got cut and... That was that sucked. It was one of the reasons why I got really depressed for a while too, because I just couldn't work on it anymore. And um, the stars aligned, and um, I reacquired the IP, and I've been working on it with Tyler. Um, he's been working on engine stuff mostly. It's very, very early, early, early stages. I don't want to jump full force into it and completely abandon James at this point in time. So oh, yeah, right. But it's in the it's bubbling. It's bubbling up pretty good. Yeah, it's still a lot of. I, I'm surprised to see still a lot. I, I, I typed it in and and read it. Still talking about it. Um, and apparently, even three months ago, you said that you would be going back into development on it after Bumbo, and so that was the top post on the Mugenix subreddit. They are excited about that, so I, I look forward to it. You talked about getting depressed, and that was right about the time the end is nigh dropped as well, right? Yeah, that so, was the that was the. That was a big, that was like at the pit. That was and that was when I was stuck. Right. And, and so the end of the night is a really good game, but I feel like it flew under a lot of people's radar. Um, I didn't do any press. Yeah, and I think that's exactly why. Do you do you, do you think that was the problem? Yeah, I'm sure it was the problem. I didn't talk about it at all. Like we we worked on it eight months, crunch time, nonstop, like really heavy work schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mostly a way for me to kind of figure out what I wanted to do because I wasn't feeling fulfilled by the industry. I wasn't happy with what I was doing. I, you know, had a lot of personal things happen to me with friends completely betray me and just fuck me over. And it was just a terrible, like I just kept getting beat down repeatedly by everybody. And it was just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I even in this industry that where this shit can, you know, go down and like, it made me want to give up. And um, I'd recently had a baby uh, she was just turning one at the time, close to turning one, and uh, made me just question everything. Like, what am I? What am I really doing? Like, where, where are my priorities at? Like, I feel like I wasn't, I wasn't making games because it was fun anymore. Because there was just too much bad shit attached to the to the stuff that I was working on, and it was just like, I how do I get past that? So I just started writing about it, and it kind of came through in this platformery you know, chaos. And it was, you know, it was shortly after leaving team meat too. And it was kind of like, well, I'm never going to make another meat boy game. So what, what do I want to do? Like, I didn't, I never felt like I wanted to make another platformer because what more could I do? What more could I say? What more could I explore that I didn't already with meat boy? And it kind of looked me in the face and it's like, well, it's been almost 10 years since that game came out. So if I'm going to make a platformer, I feel like I could do a better job. I can make a really elegant, really difficult, but, meaningful platformer for me and uh that's what i set out to do with tyler and we did it in about eight months non-stop work i'm extremely proud of it i think i did a really good job we did an amazing job i think overall but when it came to press i couldn't bring myself to talk about it because it was too rough and um i felt like i felt like it like I always feel like this about my work. I feel like I'm writing some sort of poem, but I'm writing it in a really vague way. So people can't figure out exactly what I'm saying. So I'm comfortable with it um, because I'm not exposed. 
And right. I felt way too exposed to, to do any press about it. So we literally just put a trailer up and then like a week later launched it. That was it. And uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's still, I thought it was, I thought it, that was going to be the end of it. I thought I was going to pick it up from there and I was going to feel good about life again. And, and it was going to rekindle my love for video games, but I still dropped. I still was still fallen, fallen, fallen. And then, um, I think I mentioned to you, I started doing transcendental meditation yeah, yeah, we uh, with my it. wife and, uh, that helped immensely. And, um, and then shortly after that, we, we did the, uh, the Kickstarter for, um, four souls, which was amazing. That That's what rekindled my, my love for games and, 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 and doing creative things in general which being able to work with my wife and do that was super super cool i had thrown a little bit of money at stuff prior to this but that was the first gofundme i ever like bought a high tier for and we sat down and played it and it's um munchkin on crack basically i think it's the best description i have for it yeah um i feel like it plays really well two player though i think it gets a little more convoluted as the more players we added um but i like yeah. it i don't i'm not a big fan of the two player one i i think three to four players is where it's at but it right. depends on your play group for sure. Right. Yeah. I had the most fun playing with four. I love uh I love deck building games in general. I love and I love the package I got. I got like the I, pretty high tier and then got the uh, the collectible binding of Isaac figures oh, yeah. and the the play mats and now those are just now those are just they live on our table now because they just look great. They're the largest play mats I have as well. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> thank you how, for so so that's what like creating something successful, putting something out in the world is that you really think that's what pulled you out of the the, yeah, the dark part of that sure. depression? For, well, that and that and meditation, that and like looking at my life and figuring out exactly what I wanted out of it, um, you know, and maybe some lorazepam. Oh, well, now, yeah, I, I got medicated at the beginning of January. And it's really funny when I talk about getting medicated, um, a lot of people out there in the world push back. They're like, oh, you, you just need to eat right and exercise. And I'm like, well, those are two things that might help. And I'm not going to lie, but I, I am in that 10% tier of people that really need medical help. Like I, I, I've been dealing with this crap for the rest of my life. So I, I, I feel like. It, it is important to talk about getting medicated and I'm glad you, yeah. you talked about it a little bit. Um, yeah, no, for sure. You, you, people, you got to do what you, whatever stops you from whatever keeps you alive. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You right. need to do whatever you fucking need to do to stay alive. And that's, that's the reality of the situation. And um, um, I am a big fan of staying alive, but I'm person, I'm the type of person that gets very fucking uncomfortable very fast. And I am not comfortable in my body and I'm not comfortable in anything. I'm uncomfortable in my brain. Like I'm not happy with what happens up here. And I'm so critical of my own, my own thoughts and feelings. It's easy for me to just drop like a rock, but, um, discipline. And, uh, and like I said, like when things got, when things get bad for me, they get terrible and I just drop and I become this anxiety ridden, hateful, but hateful to myself, just a mean and critical on myself. And I just drop. Um, and I'm no good as a husband and I'm no good as a father and you got to get your shit together and do what you need to do. So, so besides work, what, what gets you through that stuff? Like, obviously you're somebody who throws themselves at your work and if that still brings like, but I, 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 I honestly understand. And I don't know if my audience will understand as well even though work will bring me joy, the things that, that don't bring you joy are the things that normally bring you joy in those moments. Can't really do that anymore. They're just a busy activity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So trans, uh, what's, what's the right phrase again for the meditation? Transcendental. Transcendental. And then, um, obviously work. What else? I mean, like what else pulls you out of that? Like, what do you do to Being keep with my busy? wife? Like, oh, <laughs> well, it's true. Aww. Like I'm, I, I, it, if she wasn't around, I would be dead. Like I would have off myself ages ago. Like I, she's, oh. she, she's a crucial, crucial piece of the puzzle. Like I wrote about it in a video game called super meat boy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and now my heart feels good. So for those of you who dealt with all the depression talk for that, <laughs> that was, that is amazing. Honest to God. That is yes. amazing. All right. Well, so w there's one more thing we have to talk about. Um, and we have to talk about magic. You are the one of the few card designers I know. You got to design a card for was it Corset twenty ten? I can't keep. I don't I remember. remember. What was the card? They said it was the last corset, and then they did another. Corset. Right, right. Because we demanded as players that they make corsets again. Because 
Why Who wouldn't you? Who demanded that? Who demand? No one wants a corset. Come Randy on. Likes corsets. It's not like we need to introduce new players to the game or anything to keep it alive. Why would we want that? They need to give up. No right. more new players. Right. Oh. Give us what we want and what, what we want only. What we was the card? Only time spiral block over and over again. What was the card? Oh, I, that is what I want actually. Have you, uh, there's there's a set called Modern Horizons that's released this summer, and they're yeah. calling it um, Time Spiral Two. And so yeah, I no, pre- I'm. I'm, I'm I yeah, I just called I, my I, store and I'm like, uh, let's go ahead and get me two personal cases. Is that something yeah. we can do? Because I hate money, I guess. I don't know. I'm a huge cube player, so any powerful sets, any supplementary sets that they release usually means a ton of new cube fodder to yeah. throw at it. And that's the only thing I play anymore. I like I will play Magic the Gathering Arena, I'll play standard, I love to play limited, but if it's physical paper, I'm playing cube every Saturday night. We cube just yeah, that's so where it's at. But it, I don't think I don't think Wizards likes cube because they don't make money off of cube. Nope. Um, nope, nope, they they do not, and they, I don't think they'll ever support it. But there was a period of time where they said that about Commander Two. So, who knows? Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, I I, 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 have lo- to- I love Wizards of the Coast, and let me just say this before whatever it is about you're about to say. I love <laughs> Wizards of the Coast. I love the games they make, and I love Gavin Verhe and 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 Mark Rosewater. There's individuals at Wizards of the Coast that I love, yeah. but the company's vision quite often makes little to no sense to me. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. You know, and, and I obviously... Maybe that's what happens when you got a shitload of people doing, working on this one IP and, and they have to go through a bunch of other people to okay it. And they, you know, and there's people upstairs saying, hey, Pirates and Dinosaurs is in. And then five years later, they'll release a Pirates and Dinosaurs set and who cares? Right. I... I <laughs> I did enjoy Pirates and Dinosaurs. This time we got in-game within game, so I guess they, they planned it out better. Yeah, War of the Spark was, without a doubt, my second favorite magic set to date. Really? Uh, really? My, wow. To play? My favorite block, not to play necessarily, but by a <laughs> yeah. design point of view. Um, it used to be the Time Spiral block, both to play, which was a, a confusing, awful, limited environment. Honest to God, it did be fair. Um, but Time Spiral block, just for design alone, and then it used to be Edistrad just below that, and War of the Spark now, because they captured what they wanted to capture, the chaos of of in-game actually happening on board. When you play that in Limited, a Planeswalker shows up, they do one thing, they die, another Planeswalker yeah. shows up, one Planeswalker shows up, and he's suppressive for a little while, and then they get murdered, and then legendary creatures show up, and they wipe the board, and all kinds of crazy shit's happening. And there's I'd like agree. armies agree. and fodder. The, story, the story's good. The story's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trailer for super impressive, very emotionally driven. I, I totally am down with that. Like uh, Playing the set, though... I don't think I'm going to be drafting. I drafted about five times online. The draft is horrible. This is the first set that I liked the sealed better than the draft. Hey, yeah, I I agree with you. That's so weird. I played two sealed, and I was like, this set's pretty good. (laughs) And I was like, okay, let's draft it. And it's like, oh, it only matters what you open when it comes to rares and the power cards, and then there's nothing else going on. Yeah, it's probably the most... synergy. There's more synergy and archetype in the sealed pool. It's the swingiest... Of, yeah, of environments in a really, really long time. So I, I get comments as well. I mean, it's so hard to get out from under things right. like Sahili or, or even like Ashiok kills you extremely quickly. The the new Braska does. Besides really swingy. Besides magic, obviously you mentioned Slay the Spire. Uh, any other card games, digital or paper that you ever really dove deep into? I play a lot of board games um, on Fridays. Um, me and a few of my friends, one of them, Tyler, that I work with, come over and we all play um, some sort of legacy type long winded game. We played Kingdom Death for three months, three and a half months. That was probably one of my one of, one of my high high points for for board games for me, where I was like, wow, this is so fucking cool. It's also super expensive. Um, not as expensive as Magic, though. Oh, nothing is more expensive <laughs> than Magic. Absolutely. Um, and then we, we, we were playing uh, Betrayal Legacy right now we play a lot of board games i've been buying a lot of board games i've been playing more board games than i play video games um i saw i saw a game of axis and allies last for a year and a half once and it was the most miserable experience of my life because i didn't play axis (laughs) and allies but i wanted to hang out on game night and i wanted us to play anything else but they would take two turns a night one when they arrived there then they would negotiate for like two hours over like beer and popcorn and like and, and halo and then they would take a second move, and then no one is allowed to say anything after you did your move. And then you just had to go off for the week. And then you could negotiate with the people 
playing. Well, that seemed really cool, honestly. That it, cool. it was until like Phil destroyed a wall and like Greg <laughs> flipped the table and friendships <laughs> ended because Germany just would not fuck off at some point. Like it was, you know, I was just completely mentally ill. I, I, but it was it was fun to watch. I mean, it was like a soap <laughs> opera happening in slow motion. But I'm glad that there are other games out there. Some of the I, I've never even heard some of these games. Because you had to force yourself to play Axis and Allies that way. You would have to hate yourself. But if, <laughs> but if you've got games that are epically... Um, do you ever get into Hearthstone or anything? No, I have no room for another magic. That's what I, people know? people approach me like, why didn't you give up on the Pokemon card game? And I was like, I was just collecting. I really dig into the game. And yeah. like, why don't you play Yu-Gi-Oh? And I'm like, because, uh, there, because if I ever want to get a Black Lotus again, I'm going to have to spend 20 grand. And I don't have enough Yu-Gi-Oh money. I'm going to buy another Black Lotus. <laughs> Um, do you have a hell of a magic collection? I would imagine at some point you, you... I've got a cube that's pretty nice. Like I started out very humble and I was like, I'm never going to be the guy with like all the foils and all the original, you know, mocks and whatever else. But um, over time, it was just like, well, I want to keep adding to the cube and I started foiling it. And but um, I recently cut the power out of it. I don't have like full power, but I still yeah. I have. Uh, they, do you right. release these those collectors editions? You know, the, the, the it was like in, in the early 90s. The gold-backed ones. Gold-backed ones. Oh, I, have, yeah. I have a set of those for power when we want to go power, but I cut the power out of my cube because it was a lot less fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's really it's, surprising. Yeah, I, um, I'd i love Is your cube list up on Cube Tutor anywhere? Um, the old list was. I haven't updated in a few years on Cube Tutor. It's called Stinky Pinky, the C word. <laughs> oh, I will I will look that up. So I want to see what pet cards you have in here. Any pet cards that come to mind that stick um, out in your cube? Uh, let's see. The only, the only archetypes that were the only archetype that I really push that I see a lot of other people not pushing is, um, like bombardment, uh, red, black bombardment type sacrifice decks, Oh yeah, which, um, I think have been viable for a few years now. And they're very viable now because you've got an extreme amount of black aggro. Um, I don't support mono black aggro, but red, black aggro, red, white aggro, it's all there. Like right. it works pretty well, but I'm trying to think, is there anything that I like? No, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, I'm pretty anal when it comes to just power level and design overall. So usually what the, the broad consensus is for cards, I usually tend to agree with. Um, but the only one I don't is just that bombardment. Like I'm not cutting goblin bombardment. It's a good, it's a, I don't ever do. It's a damn it. It's a damn fine card. Um, so that, do you have that, a favorite, uh, magic artist. Yeah. Quinn Hoover. Nice. I yeah. I was Super hoping is like one of my favorite. I was but, hoping you would be the other Anson Maddox fan I've ever met. I am fine with Anson Maddox. I like Mark Tedden better. I I just yeah. like when somebody pointed out the fetus on Living Wall. Google <laughs> Magic the Gathering Living Wall. And look no, at I know. I know exactly fetus, what you're right? talking about. I mean, for the people at home, look this up right now oh. because there's a literal fetus on a Magic card inside of a giant mechanical meat wall, and that was one of the first cards I ever saw. And I'm like, what is this game? What are they doing? Why is there a fetus on this fucking wall? I wonder if he drew the other fetus. There's another fetus around the same time. It's on. It was on a green life card. force. Yep. And I think it's. Yeah. Uh, yep. It's, <laughs> it's the fetus guy. Call him out. Anson Maddox <laughs> hashtag fetus in chat. Um, guys, I want to see S in chat for fetuses. This is this is not live, so I think uh, <laughs> there is no chat. So besides, so besides uh, creating games, besides Matter the Gathering, what games do you actually play? Like, is there any? I, I, I'm sure you you play a variety of things. But any games that really stand out? Yeah, but there. So I play Overwatch with my wife every day. Oh, nice. Um, we have two a, a double TV setup. I actually play on on PlayStation downstairs because I have to separate like my computer up here. This is for work, and I don't sit down to a computer when I'm not working. So I I tend to just game on the PlayStation. So I play first person shooters with my wife on PlayStation Four. And we play a lot of Overwatch. Um, and she plays a lot of Isaac and I watch. And we play a lot of Pokemon Go. And I know it's cringy to say it. No, point, I'm still playing it. it. <laughs> I, I so, you know, it's funny. I um, I went to VidCon last year and booted it up. And my friend Billy the Fridge, a rapper out of Seattle, he's like, I'm still playing it. It encourages me to walk. And I'm like, well, I need to learn to walk again. I just did physical therapy. So I would I booted it back up and I would drive up to the square and walk around the square and do laps and and now every I only really booted up when I travel but I still play it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I I'm a sucker for it, honestly. I don't know and what what there, is, there are too many there are too many memories too. It's it's such the perfect storm for them. Like 
when they released and so many people were playing and it was during the summer and we were all out getting sun and we were all out exercising and having a social gathering, basically the endorphins that you got from that whole, it's like, it's echoing through time. Like I will always think of Pokemon as such a great game, even though it's not because of that experience because it pushed me outside, made me exercise, got me sun, got me to be social around other people. Right. And it was a memorable experience, like having hundreds and hundreds of people that were basically doing this super nerdy thing. And there's so all the same I, Yeah, yeah. And I, there's so many people that I know that don't game at all, at all. And they play Pokemon Go. And it's just so cool. It's mm -hmm. like this crossover. Seems it's it's neat. It was another game that really spawned um some real YouTubers as well. Like uh, there's a YouTuber Nade Shot who, honestly, I had only known Nade Shot personally at that point. I had never really watched his content, but he started making Pokemon Go content, and it was really really good. Like, I was watching him and like Max Mofo play that game, and I'd watched Max a little bit. To this day, I still watch Max's Pokemon unboxings because of Pokemon Go. It's another one of those games that just spawned. Uh, just this bizarre culture on YouTube, uh, yeah. Isaac being one of them too. So it's nice to bring that full circle. Though I hope at some point um, Northern Lion moves on because I worry about I worry about its mental state. <laughs> We're going to be releasing a DLC, a huge fucking DLC at the end of the year, and that is going to get him sucked in again. So oh my god, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just do it to spite him now. Right at this point, like you will, we will never let you go. <laughs> Hey, you, this certainly, is, this yeah. is what you're doing forever. I have to ask, have you actually spent time with him? You met him at some point, I'm sure. I've never met him in person, but I've talked to him, you know, for hours. Right. I was wondering, I wonder what that would have to be like. That would be like one of those weird meetings. Cause I'm sure you've done, you've done cons at this point, right? You've, you've, you've shaken a lot of hands, fan, uh, fans, hands and stuff. Right? I avoid, I avoid conventions. I'm not a, not a big crowds guy. I might be able to do it now. Now that I've, you know, I've evolved past it with my meditation techniques. I'm, I'm a superhuman at this point. Maybe I want to dive back into it, but no, I, I'm not a fan of con of, of cons. Uh, I okay. I love my fans, but I'm not a fan of a bunch of them at once. I get that. I really <laughs> yeah. do get that because there, I, there's a, there's a certain amount of guilt. So this is this is my thought process. It's not like if somebody's an app, even if someone's an, a dick or if someone's just socially inept. I think it's really amusing and I usually like those people, whatever, you know, right, it's, of course, they're, yeah. they're characters, they're characters and they're, they're, they're very entertaining. What gets me is that I feel like I'm not going to live up to whatever they think I am, that I'm going to say or do something stupid. Cause I do, I'll say or do something inappropriate, like comment on somebody's scar because I think it looks cool. And it's like, Oh, that's not the right thing to like, I notoriously do that. I like, I guess things that other people think aren't good. And I tend to like, wow, that's really cool. Like the, the, your moles on your face are really neat. And it's just like, Oh, I've done something terrible here. <laughs> like I, I don't even, but I'm anyway, so I do shit like that socially. And I'm constantly thinking I'm, I'm not going to live up to whatever they're thinking. And I need to get out of here. And how do I get out of here with in a respectful way? So they don't think that I'm a dick because once I had a fucking delivery guy write a comment in some random YouTube video that somebody else linked me to that said that I that I was a shitty tipper. So I know these. <laughs> <laughs> I know these, and it's not true. It's not true. Um, so I know these people are talking, and I, that's my paranoia. It's like the idea that like I'm simply gonna be a piece of shit to somebody, and they're gonna tell everybody else that I'm a piece of shit in reality, and I'm gonna disappoint them. Like I just don't want to disappoint. I get I I fully relate to all of that. It's it's surprising how much we have in common when it comes to that kind of social anxiety. I just force myself to do it. And if you ever are forced to do it again, I learned a very important lesson from Markiplier of all people. Um, but I'm like, I don't know how to do this. What am I supposed to do? And he says, well, are you interested in learning about the person that you're meeting? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to know. So he's like, then ask them questions because everyone wants to talk about themselves. And then if you listen, maybe that's um, my problem though. Cause I'm not, <laughs> I mean, Hey, at least you're honest, right? Yeah. But, like I want to go home. <laughs> I like, I like being home. I am a hundred percent on board with that. Uh, right. Prior to leaving to go play borderlands three last week, I was in my house for 15 days straight. I, I, I walked my dog, but you know, around the block a couple times a day, but that was it. 
Like I, I, I have a PA now who does 90 and I try to like go to, you ever try to go play physical magic, uh, like at a, a game store or anything like that. I did for a while. And then it just became, um, weird. You know, you, you just, right. I, I collected the good ones. And I said, come on, come on over to my place. Exactly. <laughs> Let's not do this. You don't even have to pay anymore. I'm going to buy the boxes and we're going to draft them at my place. That's and- my every Saturday night. That is exactly what I've done for the last, since I became like, they, I guess, internet. They caught on to this though. There's a reason why when you, when you pre-order a box of magic cards, you can get it on, on the day that they start doing the pre-releases. Mm-hmm. It's because that's how it works. Like not everybody wants to go and be around a bunch of people that right. are terrible. I started showing up at my pre-release in part to help my store succeed because I, you know, put a little money into it and stuff. Yeah. Um, but beyond pre-releases, I just can't bring myself to to do it. And it was I remember very distinctly the last time I tried to go to Friday Night Magic. It's only like two years ago, right after I got divorced. And I, I brought I borrowed a standard deck and I'm setting it on and I'm playing a complicated standard deck with cards I've never seen before. And because but it was the only deck I could borrow. And yeah. somebody walks up and he's like, "Hey, can I get a photo?" And I'm like. Yes, but I'm in the middle of a round right now, and we're in game three, and we have eight minutes left. And he's like, okay, but I just thought it would be okay to ask for a photo. I just finished my round. And I'm like, it is okay, <laughs> and you are going to get the photo, but I'm in the middle of a turn. And then I was like, oh, my God, this guy thinks I'm a dick. Yeah. And I don't want to be a dick to somebody. So I got him, and I took the photo, and like, and then I was like, I can't do this. I'm at a point now where I can't do it, and that sucks because I love playing physical magic. But that's why Ellison, Jacob, and all my friends are over my house. You, you want to come over and draft my shitty cube at some point? It's probably Jeez. not as cool as yours, but you're welcome. To, if you ever, I don't, I don't travel, but you are welcome. I didn't, ever, if, you're in the, if you are in the Bay Area, you are always welcome to come over. Any Saturday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, we will break out the cube. Hell yeah. Well, I want to see your cube list first so I can study it, but I know that I'm drafting Black Red Bombardment. <laughs> it's good because I know I, that's I, the archetype that's pushed the I hardest. Three out with black, red, bombardment. When I want to win, I, I I I go deep and I just play aggro and I win. Ellis, you got any <laughs> you got any questions uh, for Ed? Did you did you prep anything? Anything you worried about? Anything you want to talk uh, that's about? Most of them. I, I was it's very frustrating when the roof was falling down around my head. But <laughs> honestly, I'm just struck by how remarkably open you are about all of these things that are so personal and how much they come through in your work. And it's strange to me that you say that you, uh, I don't know, are, are worried about that. When you talked about uh, your games being like this poem where you don't want to be exposed um, because you write them in such a, a vague way. That's so strange to me because just, you know, meeting you this first time and, and the way that you've spoken, you've shared more personal information than I, I think I've, I've ever heard any guests we've ever had here than most people that I, that I know very well. So I, I guess there's more. There's, there's, there's just there's just more that I'm I don't, that are, that's too painful to, to discuss like there's stuff there's stuff that I like it took it took eight years for me to talk about the reason why Dr. Fetus is Dr. Fetus which has to do with an unplanned pregnancy at the very beginning of my wife and I's relationship and that's what the game was about and I wasn't going to fucking talk about that shit right. at all I don't think I ever would but for whatever reason, it, I was okay with it. Maybe it's after having a baby or something like that. But it's, it was I was okay with it, and I was so you know there's there's stuff in the end is nine. There's stuff in the Binding of Isaac that I'm just simply not gonna. I wouldn't discuss because it's too uncomfortable for me. And that's what I'm usually referring to when it comes okay. to making sure people don't. There's sometimes I'll read stuff online, like fan theories and stuff, and I'll go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, they're close. <laughs> Get away from it. But I, I think I, I think that's one of the reasons that um, people like me are such fans. I think one of the reasons some people who don't like you very much don't like you is because um, you you have this very open yet cryptic nature. It, it, I, you're like very open about the things you're open about, and then your games are so cryptic. Um, they really leave you guessing. And when I first played Binding of Isaac, I'm like, what the hell am I playing? What is, why is this game like this? Obviously, Dr. Fetus is is one of the most bizarre character designs I've ever seen in my life. And we all have to try to figure it out, right? Um, You don't have to, though. But that's the thing is you don't don't have to. It can just be weird. And that is completely okay because that's what it is for the majority. Like, I'm not, I am not. I don't want people to figure it out. I don't want people to know. I don't want people to feel like they need to see things the way I see it in order to enjoy the experience. I just believe, I personally believe 
when it comes to art in general, if you put enough honesty into your game or into your work in general, it'll come through as something unique. There's something, there's something about it. There's something about it that will feel not like something that is just made from a shitload of people, you know, a bunch of different brains together and a bunch of different opinions that have been through a filter of what will sell and what won't sell. Um, I, I just feel like, you know, a very true artistic vision that is very honest and personal will come through as just simply unique and or weird or off-putting or whatever. And that's all that it needs to be. It never needs to be more. I am not in search of, of people trying to figure out every little, if I, if I would, I would be very, the games would suck and it would just be, feel preachy and, and, and void, but it's, it's, it's not who I am. Like I'm not, I'm not a, I don't, I, I don't, I tend to not align to different groups or, or, or fit into places because I don't share all the values and ideas that everybody else shares. It's I'm, I'm a, my opinions tend to be odd. <laughs> so and that's why my games are odd as well. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like that's, that's why it just comes through. But that's, a, but that, that again is, is what's made me such a big fan of your work. Um, it's just because of how bizarre everything turns out to be. And sometimes it is just weird for the sake of weird in my mind. And sometimes I'm reading into it and it's so easy to put my damage on your games, you know, and the, the stuff that I've experienced. And there's very few people out there doing it. I mean, we've seen it with, you know, Hellblade and, and, and some other great games, but I think Binding of Isaac is probably one of the very first ones that ever spoke to me on that particular level when it came to an abusive home. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for keeping it weird. And I think if, if anybody out there who's listening either play has not played any of these games, you absolutely should play all of these games we've talked about today, um, including Slay the Spire and some of the other games we've talked about. But yeah, um, if you're an aspiring indie developer, I think if you can take anything from Ed, keep it weird. Like, keep it personal. Like, work on it. But, keep it honest. But, yeah. right. But I, I think it's just the you, your games literally look like your games and nobody else's. And nobody could ever even try to imitate that aesthetic, I feel like. Um, and, and then when it comes to the, the tone and the themes, I mean, obviously mechanically the games you've created have been phenomenal. I'm sorry to sit here and, and blow you up right now as I imagine you hate it, but, um, but it really comes down to the, the themes and the atmosphere and, and everything else. There's just nothing else like it. And if there was any other indie developer, I wanted to do this. Was, this was, you were at the top of my list. I was so shocked you wanted to come. So anything, anything you want to leave my audience with anything you want to say before we go? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll segue from that into if anybody out there is an aspiring game developer and you're looking to, to make a, a breakout hit and you're, you're just trying to get any kind of attention when it comes to this industry being super, super saturated and just flooded with games every day, like what Steam's still up to like 30, 35 games a day being released. So it's like, if you want your games to stand out, I firmly believe number one, it's got to be good. Like that's just realistic. And if it's your first game, it's not going to be good. So don't worry too much about the first game, second game, third game, you know, just churn out a bunch of little games. You'll learn from it and you'll move on from there. But when it comes to just making something that will turn heads and whatever else, I honestly do believe that if you stay true to who you are and your personal interests and honest to what those interests are, even to the weird fringiness, like if you're a fucking guy who's into feet, make a fucking foot game. I mean, like, you take find something about yourself that you think doesn't align with everybody else. Write about that. And it, it, the more honest you are about it, and the more you love it. Like if you're a guy who's just fucking into robots and you're just really into fucking robots, I firmly believe that your knowledge about robots and your opinion on robots is probably better than the majority of other games that are made by people made by people who are making a game about robots. You know what I mean? Like just be honest and genuine about it, and you'll put it out there. And it'll stand out. And I think it's just the situation with video games. Like with movies, there's a million different fucking movies from all these different perspectives that are really personal in, in all these different ways. Not so much with games. Like people are still using formulaic ideas and themes. And they're doing it because they that's their experience with video games. But it's like, you know, when like Mario, that's a fucking weird theme. Like that's Alice in Wonderland. That's very druggy, weird psychedelics. There's... And that is weird enough to, to make it work. 
Like if that, if people think of the, of Mario now as this like watered down, whatever, but when that game came out, you look at its themes and it was weird, super fucking weird. And, but it, in a way that was still honest and true and I'm not trying to just be weird. It was this cohesive psychedelic insanity. Like it, it worked and it worked really well. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of room for a lot more of that. And your game, sometimes your game can just lean on that pretty hard, even right. if it's not the greatest thing in the world. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I want to see more of that. I want to see more artists. I want to see more people taking video games as an art seriously and realizing that there's a lot of room to breathe here. There's a lot of fucking space. You can just go all the way out, you know, just do some weird shit so I can play it and I can enjoy games. Because someone has been playing video games now for 40 years. I've been playing video games since I was five years old. That's what I want is weird. And I will <laughs> blow you up on my YouTube channel. I will blow you up on my Twitter. I will do everything. If you come up with something as bizarre and sick as, as, as the creations of this man here to my left, if you can come up with something that messed up, I promise you. Um, that's, that's what I always say to small creators or Twitch streamers. Like, what can you do? better than anybody else and if there's not something you can do better than anybody else what can you do that no one else is doing yeah like like what what can you do completely break open the market because you can be successful doing what markiplier already does you can be successful doing what felix already does you can be somewhat successful but if you want to be felix if you want to be mark you got to figure out what they're either do it better than they are or do something no one else is doing for me to be honest with you if for those listening being morbidly obese on YouTube, I was the one guy. I think I'm somewhat talented. I think I have some charisma, but my hook was I was the 600 pound YouTuber, you know? And that's what, that's now I'm the YouTuber with the really nice teeth. <laughs> um, Ed, this has been a pleasure, man. Anything else? Anything else you wanted to talk about? Did we talk about all of your projects? We talk about anything my audience needs to know? No, I don't think so. All right. Stay well, tuned. If they, they want to follow me on Twitter, that's the only place I'm really active. Yeah. I do a lot of bullshit there and. And I they, wish I, I wish I cared more. I see, I see guys I'm like you and stuff that are like really on the internet. I mean, I know it's your job, right? And that's right. the part of it, obviously. Oh, I care far too much, Ed. I I need to take a <laughs> page out of him, your man. book. Um, I've let, I've literally been trying to back off of Twitter uh, consciously for the last thirty days because I will get into arguments to try to set people right, and you yeah. can't. Like my therapist said, you can't reason with unreasonable, right? You just, of you know. You can't talk somebody who's schizophrenic out of believing the voices aren't real, and you can't talk somebody out of, of even even if it's straight out of the horse's mouth. They would rather believe the narrative, and it's it's such a such a frustrating thing. So I need to take Honestly, a page out of your my, book. What I've seen too, like from what from your interaction, the people that I see you talking to. I'm going to honestly tell you that I think that 90% of those people are lying and just fucking trolling you. I think you're right. I think that's a big part of it. I don't think, and I think they're literally just trying to get you to do that because they know that you'll do that and then it'll be whatever. Like, it's just very meme and trolly. Like, I think I, you're right. And I think, I think that is mental illness is not a fun thing. And so that is, that, that is my Achilles heel. That is, that is truly the thing that like when somebody's, bullshitting like i want to set them straight I'm like no obviously i didn't abuse my dog or i didn't finger my cat i don't know what you're talking <laughs> yeah, yeah. about why why would you think i fingered my neighbor's cat you're crazy like here's my i'm gonna go take a photo of my neighbor's cat right now i've never even met the cat what like it, it's my achilles hill because i grew up you know in a, an abusive home and covering for my abusers and covering for all the things that were going on there and and now setting the record straight is such an important aspect of my life you know yeah so it's right. been a, i understand but i love i love and the reason I, beyond the games beyond everything else i'm so glad that you're so open about your mental health i'm so glad you chose to be so open today and i'm really glad i had you so guys you've been listening to the big stack podcast um this might even go up on the main channel if it doesn't it'll be over here on the biggest podcast guys thanks for our supporters on patreon thanks for showing up ellis thanks for asking your questions and ed it is a pleasure i look forward to playing my early review copy of <laughs> you'll, you'll always be getting stuff you from better now. be damn it you don't worry <laughs> and it's been a pleasure man thank you so much you have a great day my friend take it easy guys thanks for watching we love you very much i will speak with you again soon. goodbye everyone goodbye